Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And your main man, Marcus. What's going on, Frank? Long time no talk. Yeah, no. Some of us actually have to work instead of gallivanting all over Europe. Um, so it's uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we have to have Marcus back on the podcast and special guest host Arabelle will, will not be on this one, which I think is upsetting for pretty much all of our audience. Shout out to Arabelle. She did a fantastic job on last week's episode. I had a pleasure listening to that uh, while sitting on a boat in Greece. So yeah, I'm going to rub it in, Frank. I'm definitely going to rub it in. Uh, In the post audio of this, I will insert uh, some violins uh, as you said that. So what we want to talk about, Rafael Nadal has won his 14th Roland Garros alone, which is just bonkers to think about. Um, And his 22nd overall major which obviously is another tremendous accomplishment for Rafael. And, um, you know, uh, to be honest, Marcus, in both finals, Iga Sriantek won the women's side as well. Uh, this was a little bit of a snooze fest, in my opinion, of a finals weekend. I think both were blowouts, not really competitive. The favorites won going in, so not really much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, from the I guess from the women's side, I, we were kind of expecting Iga to kind of win relatively easily. She's so dominant on clay, especially you know in, in the women's game. There aren't really that many competitors who can kind of compete with her on clay, so that was kind of expected. From the men's side, a little bit disappointed about how the draw kind of shook out. Um, I was actually happy that Casper Ruud made the final. I was really hoping that he would put up a good fight, considering that I think he is an excellent clay court player. I mean, it shows for itself. Um, he wins most of his tournaments on clay, makes the final of the French Open, uh, and one of the few times that he's played in it. Um, but a little bit disappointing to see that he didn't play uh, up to his level. But, you know, it, it's your first Grand Slam final. You're playing against, like, arguably the greatest tennis player of all time and by far the greatest tennis player on clay and just practically unbeatable at Roland Garros. So um, that, I'm sure that had something to do with it. But those were kind of my thoughts, Frank. I, I think you kind of echo the same sentiment, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, I, I mean, same here. I, I think to view this as Iga's coronation, I think was maybe be a little bit of an exaggeration because I think we all knew that Iga was the best women's clay court player in the world before this win streak. Um because the, this was her maiden Grand Slam, you know, two years ago. Um, I think if Ego wins like a Wimbledon or a U.S. Open, then that becomes like a, a coronation moment. Like, OK, you've now done it on multiple surfaces. Like you're the you're the one, you know, to overtake every, like you're going to be the next superstar. Um, but I think that the win streak is tremendous. I think that like I really cannot emphasize enough how impressive that is. So. Um, shout out to Iga. She was a beast. Um, congratulations to Coco Golf also making a Grand Slam finals at 18. I think it's a great accomplishment. I know she was sad and crying at the end of it. But like if I was her, you know, I think maybe her coaches probably should have just said to her, like, you've got nothing to lose. Like, you're not expected to win this. Like, just go out there and have fun. If you get blown out, you're doing what everyone kind of expected. So it doesn't really matter. Frank, especially not even I mean, making a Grand Slam final at the age of 18 is already amazing, but also Roland Garros on red clay, where Americans generally don't do as well, especially even on the women's side, where I feel like the surfaces are not as much of a factor as it is compared to the men's game. Um, but still, that's a fantastic accomplishment. I would, if I were her coaches and, and her team, Frank, you're absolutely right. You got to keep your chin up on that one. 
Yeah, no, I, I, complete win for her. So good result there. I think on the men's side with Rafa, you know, uh, it's just tough because I think his much more interesting and compelling matches were in the quarterfinal. And then even that semifinal against Zverev, unfortunately, you know, got cut short. I actually think he was going to lose that match. Um, I thought that Zverev was going to beat him. Um, that's what it was looking like to me. But, you know, once I saw that Rafa was going to have to only play part of a semifinal uh, and was going to get that additional recovery time for whoever he was going to play, whether it be Kasper, Ruder, Marin, Cilic, I was like, okay, this is going to be a blowout, <laughs> like no matter who he plays. Um, if he had gone like five sets with Zverev or even four sets with Zverev, I would have said, okay, you know, maybe Casper can like take a set off of him at the start, you know, and, you know, something like that. But once I saw that Rafa had the the rest, it, it was effectively game over. And Casper, and you know, unfortunately lost 11 games in a row um, in the sec- between the second and third set. I mean, that's you can't you can't make fun of him and say like, oh, it's Casper rude. Like Rafa's done this to like everybody <laughs> like he's done this to roger he's done this to Djokovic. like he can just do this on philippe chatrier like nobody else can so um it, it, it's it's really monumentally impressive um i know that some people were saying that this was rafa's most impressive major win of all time because of the opponents that he's beaten right he beat faa he beat Djokovic, and then he beat in air quotes zverev i personally disagree with that i think because of the walkover i don't think this is his most impressive one or even remotely close to his most impressive one personally i i yeah i, I don't think that this is most his most impressive major win the only reason why i see people kind of saying that is because he essentially won it without feeling anything in his foot which we just found out post tournament about how he's basically playing with anesthetic injections which is absurd and makes the nadal legend kind of even grow further um, but no, this is clearly not his most impressive major win. For me, any kind of French Open win for him is not... I mean, it, it is impressive, obviously, the way that he wins 14 of them, but it kind of dilutes it. For me, personally, the most impressive one was the one earlier this year in Australia, um, considering that that was his least successful slam by far, and he beat Medvedev in the final to win that. That, for me... Um, is his most impressive to do that at age 35. I think he's 36 now over, over the weekend at the French Open. That that was for me, Frank. I mean, I, I think that this was because of the injuries. I mean, beating Djokovic is fantastic, but it's not like he hasn't done that before, right? And he, he's done that before multiple times at the French Open. So, yeah, I'm, don't get me wrong, totally impressive every time the guy steps on court at this point. We should be thankful that he's even still doing this. Um, considering his physical condition, but yeah, I think Australian Open this year would be the one for me. But we don't—I mean, we don't necessarily need to go over exactly which one. But you know, I—I th- I think that's safe to say, right? I agree. I agree. Australia this year, I think, was way, way more impressive. Um, the other one that I can think of off the top of my head that I would highlight would maybe be uh, the U.S. Open where he beat Djokovic. That—that's probably enough. Like that win for me is way more meaningful than yeah like beating Two, Novak on clay. Two thousand eight, two thousand eight Wimbledon, first time he beat Federer. On yeah, grass. that's another one. I whatever. We're gonna this. That's a whole yeah. separate. We could go yeah. through each of these guys' <laughs> Tan- like greatest tangent. wins. Forget it. But another player that I kind of wanted us to. Hi- I mean. Uh, Arabella and I talked about it a little bit, but I wanted to get your thoughts on FAA. I thought he had such a great tournament. And based on, you know, now that we've seen Rafa win the whole thing, we've seen that FAA 
was really the most competitive match that Rafa had. You know, Marcus, what do you think about FAA's long-term sort of uh, prospects? I know this is a common topic we talk about, but this guy seems to show up in Grand Slams really, really well. And now he's doing it on clay, which I think is a tremendous result for him. So, yeah, just give me your thoughts. I think it's going to be a little bit Andy Murray-esque where it's going to take him a really long time for him to finally break through and win one, but he's going to consistently kind of be at the top of the game. I think that this guy is definitely going to be at least a one to two time slam winner, if not more. Um, I, I think that he's got real good chances more so on the quicker services, maybe a Wimbledon, the U S open, um, you know, great. To see, and he's obviously a great clay player and he's only, his stock is only getting, uh, you know, higher Frank in my, in my opinion. So, I, I'm I'm bullish on FAA, but I think it's going to take a little bit longer um, than it is for most people. I but you know at the same time, guys like Zverev still even haven't won one. I mean, I thought this was a really good opportunity for Zverev to win one too. Zverev maybe... could have won this whole thing. I mean, that's I mean we could talk about that next. That's not like in our next order here, but like I thought Zverev like I thought Zverev was going to beat Nadal. I, I really, so too. Yeah. I really watching that match like Zverev should have won the first set. But, you know, sure. Rafa comes back. Unbelievable. But like Zverev looked like he was going to win that match. Like he was playing Rafa as perfectly as you could play Rafa at Roland Garros. Yeah, Zverev tends to show up in the clay season. And he has, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a second, um, just a kind of the right style. But, you know, f- f- had the way that FAA play this tournament, Frank, and considering he went five sets with Nadal on clay, does that change your thoughts on his kind of, I guess, projection? It does a little bit. It does a little bit. I don't know about necessarily in terms of the slam count. I still view him as like a will win like one slam, maybe two slams, like a Stan Wawrinka style slam count, maybe. But in terms of him getting like being a continuous presence in the top five, top four, even like what you just said, a la Andy Murray, that I actually would say, I I think he does have that now because I didn't think that he was as good on clay as he is proven this season. And for me, um, you know, that that's a big deal. And, And he shows up on every surface, every slam. I think he can be a contender. So, you know, my view on FAA major total probably still the same. But my view on FAA's, you know, career high ranking, you know, now I would maybe view him as like could potentially get to top three in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's for sure. He's a he's a definitely a top five guy. And the nice thing to see with him, Frank, is that he's getting better every year and especially on the backhand wing, which is where he needs the most. That's that's my favorite part about him is that I'm seeing really nice improvements from him. Um, not only from a surface game style perspective, but just from an overall like holistic look at his ground strokes, the backhand is just way better. It's becoming a weapon now. And I think if, if he continues at the trajectory that he's on, he, he's going he's gonna to win one. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. So we'll move on to Zverev now. I think both, everyone knows that neither of us are huge fans of, of, of Alexander Zverev for reasons that we'll get into in another episode but i thought he played rafa pretty perfectly i thought his backhand was absolutely dominant was causing rafa fits his serve was fine which for zverev like that's kind of all you need (laughs) really like you just need this this guy just needs to make his serve in sometimes to to really be functional 
and unfortunately goes down with that that ankle injury, which, as we found out uh, yesterday, is three torn ligaments in the ankle, which is not going to be fun to come back from. So, uh, you know, I do wish him the best of luck with that. But, you know, Marcus, why don't you give us a little bit of a breakdown as to why Zverev was successful in that match? And, you know, um, I don't know if you've had any ankle injuries. I actually have not ever had an ankle injury, ankle injury, thankfully. Um, But give us an idea of, of what the rehab process might look like. Well, all right, let's kick it off with that. So I've only sprained an ankle. Um, I, I talked to my girlfriend, Louisa, who's had multiple ankle issues through playing uh, professional and college volleyball through the years. She says that if you tear those ligaments, I mean, yeah, you're going to need surgery, but it's not. it, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been an Achilles, which would have put him out for at least a year, and that would have been devastating because that's a really tough injury to come back from. But the torn ligament in the ankle, yeah, it's not fun. Um, but we could i mean if he decides to push it you know we could maybe see him during the u.s open i think wimbledon's going to be out of the cards um, but we might be able to see him at the u.s open maybe towards the end of the year in terms of his play i only watched the first set it was actually funnily um i was taking a bus around <laughs> greece and these two greek guys next to me are all of a sudden put on Wimble, uh, not wimbledon they put on the french open semi-final and i'm like and they don't speak any english i'm like yo Mind if I watch? And they're like, yeah. And they were like mind blown by the backhand that Sarah was hitting down the line, cross court, deep, with with amazing pace. He's got the the kind of a, a little bit of Robin Soderly esque kind of style to beat Nadal on clay. Really tall guy, tends to bash through the ball, but he's got another level of variety just due to his speed and a little bit more spin which makes it super interesting. I thought he played a great match. Um, I, I saw the first set a little bit. Um, I, I thought that he probably should have closed out that set, Frank. I know you mentioned that before. I agree with that oh, totally. Oh, come on. He's up 6-2. Yeah. You're up 6-2. You can't blow that. Yeah, if the second that, that's, that that got tied in the tiebreak, I was like, you're losing the set. Forget it. It's done. Well, I mean, not even just the tiebreak. I mean, he was also up 4-2 in the set, up a break. I mean, you just got to you know take care, like, take care of that set get into a dog fight into the next one. Don't let that kind don't let Nadal claw back. Cause once Nadal claws back, you you're screwed. And everyone on this planet kind of knows that. Um, so tough to see him go down like that. I really thought he was on his way to potentially beating Nadal, potentially winning his first slam. Um, but it looks like we're going to have to, uh, we're going to get a little bit of a break from that. What are your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, no, I agree. I think he would have won the whole thing. I mean, he beat Carlos Alcaraz, which is also an incredible accomplishment to begin with, right? So, you know, I think Zverev was well on his way. You know, it's unfortunate. He's going to get a career-high ranking out of this, though. He's going to move up to, uh, to uh, like, post-Wimbledon with the points reduction nonsense that's going on there. He's going to move up to two in the world, you know, which I think is a massive accomplishment for him and also kind of a crazy moment for us as tennis fans that – Novak and uh, Nadal and Fed going to be out of the top two. None, none of them. It's going to be Medvedev at one in the world and Zverev at two in the world. So that's kind of a crazy moment, I think, for all of us. You know, but yeah, I agree. I think Zverev, if he's smart, probably will maybe try to play like the City Open, the Washington D.C. tournament, like right before the U.S. Open. That might be. That might be. I think he might actually. Well, that one is like late July. Maybe he'll do like Toronto, Cincinnati. Maybe one of those because those are a little bit like more in August. 
I could see him test. The reason yeah. I say city is because that's a 500 level, not a 1000, but you know, just, just, just testing it out there and then seeing how he feels. And if he feels like, yeah, I can't do it. Don't even bother going to the open. Don't, don't risk losing the ranking points, like all that stuff. Just, just focus on, uh, making it to the, to maybe Paris indoors and, uh, the world tour finals. Would he, wouldn't he lose the ranking points anyway? No, I don't think so. I think it would be. I think he would keep it because he didn't. Because he didn't play. You I get think the, that's how that works. I no, that can't be how it works. Because otherwise, it's Dominic your last. Sneed. I know it's your your the last ten highest uh, points that you have. So uh, I think yeah. Well, so they I gotta think, well, they gotta drop off at some point. No, I mean well, Dominic. Yeah, otherwise, you, Dominic team years, would be. If it's two years, then you lose them. Like if he missed this U.S. Open and the next one, he would lose all of it. But I think if he only misses one, he keeps it. If but I'm not is, mistaken, uh, we're, Frank and I are going to have to do a little bit more research on that. Yeah, the but, rankings uh, are all confusing, but it doesn't matter. The point I think would still remain the same. Either way, that's my thoughts on Zverev. Lastly, uh, I think the last thing we wanted to touch on here is Casper Ruud. So, despite us saying that he got whipped in the final, I actually think this is a really great result for Casper. I think that you know making it to a Grand Slam final at 23 years old is an accomplishment. And Casper, like, yes, maybe he didn't beat like the hardest of opponents to get here, but he beat everybody that was in front of him. He won six matches in a row at a Grand Slam. I don't care who you are, who you beat. That's impressive. So I think just to get there is is, is great. And, you know, for me, in terms of Casper's long-term trajectory, do I think that he it changes anything that I've said about him? Probably not, <laughs> to be honest. I still don't think that he will win a Grand Slam. With I think there are just more talented people in front of him. But um, at the same time, again, does this maybe change like where I view him ranking wise? Do I think that he could get to the top five now? Yeah, I do. I do think that you know if the cards shake out correctly, he could end up with a top five ranking. I disagree with you there, Frank. I think that he will definitely win at least a few slams and and primarily french opens i think that this guy's a real star wow that's a big call i'd like to say that is that is a well i I mean i mean you think that he's better on clay than alcaraz sitsipas or and zverev each of those three guys will probably be in his way well i don't think that he has to beat all three of them usually to win a tournament so that will have to play at least one well i think he's i think he's well I think he could beat Tsitsipas on clay. I mean, frick, if Helga Rune can do it, then... Oh, yeah, that was wild. Okay, so there's one out. Uh, Do I think he could beat Zverev on clay at the French Open? Yeah, why not? Zverev's a basket case. Um, Can he beat Alcaraz? That might be a little bit tougher, but I think if Alcaraz is out one year, or if he's injured, or if he just has a bad day, yeah, I think it can absolutely happen. I mean, he literally just made it to the final of the French Open. Like, you you were three sets away from winning it, so... I think to say that he will never win one, that I think that's a hot take. Um, considering the fact that we're also projecting for FAA, FAA to win slams, and he's never even made the final of one yet. So, Yeah, but FAA I view as improving constantly. Like That's why I think so. I think Kasparud's improving constantly. Wouldn't you say so? I don't think he's improved tremendously like over this past year. Really? I haven't Frank, seen like crazy I mean, improvement. I mean, he went from dude who we were ripping on only because he was winning all these cheesy 250s in Europe to being a top 10 player and making the final I just, of the slam. I, I just, I really, I haven't seen him win a Masters 1000 even yet. 
right? He got to a Masters 1000 against Alcaraz. He got whipped. He gets to the French Open final against Nadal. He gets whipped. I just, I've seen him go up against top players too often now and just get absolutely whipped. And I just don't, I, I just don't think that he can overcome that. I don't think he can beat a player that is substantially better than he is. As of right now, I, I welcome being wrong. I love Casper Rude. I think he's an absolute baller, but I, I don't think that he has that like next year that FAA does, in my opinion. Like, I actually think Casper Ruud has a better chance of winning like an Australian Open out of nowhere. That is an incredibly hot take. That's just, that's like flaming hot. <laughs> I do. I, I think, I think that, I think that Casper Ruud's game actually should be better on hard court than what it is. And I think he's slowly like figuring that out. Totally agree with you there. Yeah. But but I think I think once he does, I think he could absolutely make a run at Australia. Hundred percent. I think once Novak steps out, you know, whenever that may be, there's gonna be a vacuum that goes on in Australia that like Sitsipas may fill, uh Zverev may fill, Alcaraz may fill, I don't know. Medvedev. Like, who knows? Medvedev that Kasparud could absolutely make a run one year. Why not? But if you're asking me what I think, I don't think he wins one. I, I just don't. But again, I hope I'm wrong. I like him. Good guy. That brings yeah. us to our last topic, actually, speaking of um, whenever Novak decides to bow out. When I was listening to all of the post, you know, victory, you know, victory lap interviews with Rafael Nadal, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to any of them. He very much sounds like a guy who is done <laughs> like he sounds like a guy who is about to retire or certainly thinking about it and that is the first time that i can say that i have heard that type of talk from nadal and whether that's because he's super injured right now which i think he is obviously as we've discussed but i certainly think that we are going to see possibly a rafael nadal that only focuses on the clay season within the next year or two it sounds like I mean, for even he admitted, like, if he has to play with like an injection and an anesthetic foot, whatever the phrase that you said, with a numbed foot for Wimbledon, like he wouldn't do it. He only did it because it was Roland Garros. I just don't really like the long term prospects there. But, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. What did you think, Marcus? Yeah, Nadal is a guy who he, he has such a great perspective on the pro game and also just kind of life that he's like look listen i've been doing this for 15 plus years i am incredibly proud of what i've achieved yes i would love to keep going but i also value kind of having a normal life um, being able so, to walk right being able to walk is, is a good good way of putting that frank um and i mean his his pain tolerance is just incredibly incredibly high i mean he played Indian Wells match with a broken rib. He's out here winning the French Open without any feeling in his foot and getting an anesthetic injections for it. He sounds like a guy, and, and I really, I, I really agree with you, Frank. He sounds like a guy who's going to be retiring very, very soon. And he's honestly the type of guy who, where he, I, I think next year's French Open would probably be his last kind of hurrah and he'd kind of make it like listen this i agree is it. this is it for me i'm gonna put all the injections in my feet for this one i'm I, I might honestly it wouldn't surprise me if he says screw the u.s open screw the australian open next year 
I'm just going to go all in for my last French and then that's it because I just can't, I can't keep doing this to myself and my family anymore. I think he's going to go. I, I disagree on one point there. I think he actually will go for a U.S. Open because he enjoys the tournament and he has, it's his second most successful major, um, the U.S. Open. Most people don't realize that, but it is. So I would actually say that I, I think 2023 will be his last season. I don't think it'll be anything to do with his ability. I think it'll be purely a, a body thing which I think everyone has predicted will always be Rafa's downfall, um, was that the way that the style that he plays is just so violent that it, it, it has to come back to his body. I also do think that there's something to Roger not retiring yet, Roger Federer. I think that it's going to like what's happening right now is that Rafa and Roger in particular, Novak probably not because i think he's still okay roger and rafa are in like a like a staring contest and it's just a matter of who's gonna blink first and whoever blinks like the other one's gonna blink right after um that's always been my personal opinion that like like next year rafa like if rafa says roland garros my last tournament roger is gonna say like wimbledon 2023 my final run i'm done I don't know why. Maybe it's I, I think those two will be inexplicably tied for the rest of their careers anyway. So that's always been what's going on in my head. Yeah. Plus, they've got, you know, the whole slam thing. I mean, right now, I think that Nadal has a nice two slam cushion over Djokovic. Um, I, I really I mean, we're going to have a separate top probably podcast about this, but I just find it very difficult to see Djokovic winning three. Um, but Nadal I said that, that Djokovic will get it for what it's worth. In one of the interviews, he said, like, Novak is going to last longer than Roger and Roger and myself, and he's going to get it. Oh, for sure. Longevity-wise, yeah, just because of the way that he takes care of himself physically and his kind of more limberness. Um, yeah, I think Nadal's kind of happy with the fact that he just, that the Australian Open win was such a cheeky little one to add in. Um, Federer, I mean, Federer honestly just wants to come back just because he loves playing tennis so much, and he just wants to kind of go out on his own terms. Um, but I think that that's kind of reasonable expectations, Frank, what you kind of put out there from what we can see from these three guys. So I also think that Roger, in particular, wants to have his last match be against Rafa, particularly Rafa, but even Novak. I think if he were to lose and his final match is, you know, whatever, he wants it to be against Novak or Rafa. He doesn't want it to be against Hubie Hercash at Wimbledon or Evgeny Donskoy. Yeah, no, he wants that against he wants that against Nadal. He doesn't yeah. want that against. Yeah, and, and he's, he's spoken he's about this it. numerous yeah. times that you know his biggest rival is Rafa, but his best friend is Rafa, and Rafa has said the same thing. So you know, I th- I think that's what he wants. I think they all want that fairy tale ending. Unfortunately, they all want the Pete Sampras ending, and I don't think each of them is going to get that. But um, especially Roger, Rafa might get it. But yeah, maybe Rafa, maybe Djokovic if he times it right. The problem Novak, is Novak they... if he wants to end on top, which he can if he does in the next like year or two, certainly can. But you know, we'll see. The only the only problem with that, Frank, and this is going to be probably the last thought of the pod, is that when you do win that one, that will probably be your last one. There's a little voice saying, "Ah." See, you just did it. You can go get another one. Yeah, and that's and that's where you're mistaken. So, well, it's having you know. it's having the restraint to say, now is the time, go out on top. Now is the time. 
Yeah, and I think Nadal's got the best perspective on that out of all three of them. And then well, I think because Rogers... his body, because his body is literally telling him you can't do this anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, his yeah. body. I mean, listen, the, the the Fed one is more complicated because Fed should have won that Wimbledon in 2019. I mean, he, he, there was no excuse for him to lose that, and he loses it. If Fed would have won that Wimbledon, I have zero doubt in my mind he would have retired on the spot. That's my Bold. opinion. Bold, I think he would have retired right on the spot, right there. Bold, but we'll never know. So but that'll we'll be never it. Know. Frank, thank you for welcoming me back into the pod. It's lovely to be back. I love seeing your face on camera here. There we go. You're still in your, uh, your little basement, but that's all right. We'll get you out of there one day. Um, guys, follow us on Instagram, Breakpoint Podcast 7. You can email us. I know you won't. Breakpoint Podcast 7 at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. And uh, Frank, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see each other next week to record some more. We will. See you guys. And also, if you want to be on the podcast, any topic suggestions, please DM us and you're welcome on um, to be a special guest host, uh, special guest along with Arabelle. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. See ya. Word.